Well, thank you to uh, Dan and Kristen for sending us the pictures of Theo and Abby opening up their Into One Christmas presents. They were beautiful pictures. Thank you. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Awesome to have you with us uh, at all the different kinds of Into One watch parties that are happening all over the place. Merry Christmas to you, and may you be focused on the Christ in Christmas as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll be able to take a moment, some time, to recognize, to pause. Um, what, who, what does he mean to the world? What does he mean to you that you'll be able to experience the power of Christ in Christmas? Now, if you're new with us, what we do is, over the course of the year, we, we talk about a number of different things. And recently, we've been talking about worship. Uh, the title of this series is, Come to Worship. And it's based on a text that comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's when the, the wise men are, are kind of, well, they're highlighted in the story. We have come to worship Jesus, they say. We have come to worship him. In this message series, what we've been trying to do is look at different postures of worship, different ways that we can come to worship. And today we're going to talk about bowing our knees or kneeling before God. It's an act of surrender, but it's an act of worship. Today, uh, let's begin with a passage of Scripture, the Christmas story coming from Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 10. This is uh, in the wise men story section. So verse 10, when, when the wise men saw the star, they were overjoyed. In verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And then what did they do? Come on, you can see it there. Say it out loud with me. Come on. Don't let yourself just listen. What did they do when they saw Jesus? They bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped him. Most of the time, think about this, when we picture that scene, we visualize the wise men, we, we, we see the, the, the kneeling down before the baby Jesus, that little itty-bitty baby Jesus, four-day-old baby, eight-day-old baby, two-week-old baby, whatever. Why do we do that? Why is that the picture that we have? Well, I think it's because every single Christmas card that's ever been made has got the wise men bowing down to a little baby. But in reality, and many of you, you might not know this, but scholars believe that Jesus was not a baby when the wise men arrived. But chances are very good that he was a toddler. He was very likely around the age of two when those wise men actually arrived. Now, you've got to remember that those wise men had to travel about 900 miles or 1,500 kilometers to get to him. Now, to me, that changes the dynamics of the story entirely. Think about it. Just for fun, play this in your head. How many of you right now, wherever you are, you have in your family, a, in your household, a, a child between the ages of two and four? Imagine that. Or how many of you can remember having a two-year-old? Or maybe you can remember being a two-year-old and... Well, you've been around on one. You've seen a two-year-old at some point. And it used to be really easy for me to judge parents with unruly two-year-olds until I had one. Before we had kids, I knew everything about parenting, more than anybody else. And I could see your wild two-year-old banging his fists on the restaurant table, taking the mashed potatoes and smacking them down, throwing them on the floor. And then when you go to try and pick them up to move them, they just go limp, right? They just flop all over. And I might have, might have looked at you and, and, and said, well, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do that so much better. And I did. You know, I read the books and I watched the videos. I knew about timeout and the interrupt rule and the uh, redirect. I knew it all. 
but when I had my own two-year-old, <laughs> dear God, everything changed. Everything changed. And for a long time, we, we'd stand strong. We'd do, we'd do the rules. We'd do the discipline. We'd stand firm. And, and we'd, say, we'd say, no. Uh, and then, and then, then they wear you down. They wear you down and, and the sleep. You, where, where, where's my sleep? I still got all these other things to do. They wear you down. And then when you finally, you couldn't do any more, you, you, you caved in and you became just like those other parents. And you go, oh, I'll do whatever you want, right? I'll, I'll give you anything. Just please stop. Anything you want. You want candy? Okay, money? Yeah, race car? You want a race car? No problem. Sure, we'll look into getting you a pony. <laughs> I, I, I heard a comedian say the two-year-olds are like, tiny little crackheads. They're, they're, they're tiny, they're, their clothes are disheveled, they've got uh, food spilled all over them everywhere, they've got no teeth, they look drunk all the time, and they lie to you. They look you in the eye and they lie to you. They say stuff like, I can fly. You go, you, you can't fly, you're a liar. <laughs> and, you, and you're gross. You're a liar and you're gross. You've got crackers shoved up your nose. Who does that? You're disgusting. This is what a two-year-old can do, and no other creature on earth does what a two-year-old will do. And, and all of this to say, this, the wise men were bowing down to a two-year-old. And to me, that rivals you know, the, the, the miracle of the virgin birth, to, to have these wise people travel all that way and bow down to a two-year-old and say, I worship you. Now, today we're going to look at kneeling in the presence of God. And in our culture, most of, what, uh, most of us are, are going to go, you know what? That's easy. I kneel all the time. I'm kneeling right now. I spend my time kneeling. It's, it's like lifting hands, right? The very first time we did just a couple of weeks ago, it kind of pushes us out of our comfort zone sometimes, right? And guys, you know, you, you, you might kneel twice in your life. The first time, number one, you're proposing. And, and there is a payday on the under, other end of that kneel. And number two, maybe you're, uh, you're getting your picture taken with your team and you've got your helmet here or the ball in your arms and full uniform and you kneel down together for the photo. But when else does it ever come up? When else do you ever kneel? Culturally speaking, most of us don't go around kneeling, and we don't go somewhere to kneel, and when we are there, we don't kneel even still. God's Word, you, you, when you look at it, you're going to see over and over and over and over again, there are opportunities to kneel down in humble submission and awe to the goodness of God. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7, the psalmist speaks to us and says, starting in verse 6, Come. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then seven, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you love Hebrew, right? I mean, of course, who doesn't love Hebrew? And there's an interesting Hebrew word that's translated into English as worship. It's the word shakah. Now, that is not to be confused with shakakan. For those of you who are still locked in the 80s, that's a little love for you right there. And then I think about that, and that's probably, it's probably me right there locked in the 80s. Shakah is the word used 170 times throughout Scripture. It means to bow down low. It's not just a worship term. It's a physical thing, but it incorporates the idea of worship in there, the getting Low, that posture of kneeling in worship. 170 times in Scripture, we're told with this word to kneel down before God in worship. 
And one of the reasons we, well, I believe culturally, we don't kneel more often is because fundamentally we don't understand, we don't comprehend the holiness of God. If we could grasp how holy God is and then what impact that has to be in his presence, what would that be like for us? Then I think it would be a lot easier for us to bow low before him in worship. So holy is God that mortal man cannot look on him in his essential being and live. And when Moses wanted to see the glory of God, God said, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle my full glory. I'll pass by you. I'll do that. But you're going to have to cover your face. And, and then you're only going to be able to see the back of me as I pass by because you cannot look on my face and live. In the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament as well, none of the priests were ever allowed to go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest. And only once a year at that. And because it was believed that when you go into where they thought that God dwelled, that, well, you probably won't be able to live. So they would actually, okay, when the high priest does go in on that one day, they would take a rope and they'd tie it around his leg. And so if the, they stand outside and they're all listening, right? If they hear a thump, they are pulling him out because they didn't know whether or not you could actually live in the presence of God. And when you start to comprehend that, that God, the, the glory of God, the one who spoke and created everything, suddenly kneeling down before him, it seems like the right thing to do. But you know what's incredibly interesting to me, what I've, what I've discovered? I cannot find a single place in all of the 66 books of the Bible where God tells us to bow down to him. God does not tell us to bow down to him. This was a really big deal for me when I, when I realized this. It just happens in his presence. Think about it. God doesn't tell us to bow down. The only thing he tells us is don't bow down to someone else. God says don't bow down to any false idols. Don't put anything, any other gods in front of me. That's a good message around Christmas time. Of course, don't put anything in front. Come, let us bow down and worship before our God. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. These are admonitions of a man who was in earnest pursuit of God, and he discovers or he recalls. or It's just sort of impressed upon him just how amazing our God is. And I want to inspire you to come to worship, not just to worship at a church service, whether it's online or in person, but to let your life be full of worship to God, to lift up holy hands to God every now and then, to, to, uh, to bring our gifts as an act of worship to God, to, to pour out your heart to, to Him, and to worship, just to release who you are every now and then. Get down on your knees. Maybe even a little lower. Maybe you get to the place where you want to put your face down and say, God, I want there to be less of me, and I want there to be more of you. And you worship him. What better time than when we pause in the middle of all this hustle and bustle in this world and think about the birth of Christ, that God so loved the world that he became one of us, not born in a palace, but in a, in a hole, in, in, in a wall, in a cave, to symbolize that he was not... Uh, just high and mighty, but that he came for the lowest of the low. Based on who he is and what he did, sometimes our only reasonable response is to bow and worship him. Now, I, I, what I want to do is to help you along this process. I want to give you three different reasons why you might want to bow. 
First one, if you take notes, just write this down. Some of you might kneel in pursuit. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, there is a, there's an interesting story uh, about a, a very rich guy. We kind of like stories about rich people, I think. They always stand out. He had everything that everybody would think that he needed. And yet, he was missing something. And we're not told that. He tells us that. He knows he's missing something. Here's how the story goes. We'll start in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. What'd he do? Come on, say it out loud again. He what? He fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I want to be honest with you. I bet I've taught this story, some version of this story, mentioned this story at least 10 times in the history of Into One. I never, ever noticed his posture. I only ever noticed the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I never recognized that this guy literally fell on his knees. He collapsed before Jesus. He was so desperate, knowing that he had everything that everybody else wants, but he was missing what everybody needs. And in pursuit of the answer to that question, he fell on his knees before Jesus. Some of you, right now, you might be at that place. That's where you are in life right now. You're, you're, you're not a committed Jesus follower. You know that. You might believe in God, but you are not in earnest pursuit. You're not a fully devoted follower of Jesus. You're an occasional, a periodic visitor. Some of you might not even know who, what you believe, how, how you feel about God. And you're questioning, is there a God? Could there be a God? If there is a God, what does that mean about Jesus? Who's Jesus? How does this all work? And you know what? Into One is a great place for you to investigate all of that. We are glad that you're here, if that's you. We planned for you to be here. It makes us better when you are here with us. And you are welcome to belong here before you believe everything that we believe. Belong, believe, be bold. That's our pathway. And I want to encourage you, if that's where you are, here's what you might want to do. You might decide, you know what? It's pretty important. I don't want to miss this, so, so therefore I'm going to kneel. I, I don't even know if I'm kneeling to a God that I believe in. and I, I don't know who he is. I don't know what, what he's like, but, but I'm going to kneel just in case. And I'm going to start asking some questions. And, and then I'm going to follow up on those questions. I want some answers. I want to pursue that. You might kneel in pursuit and pray something along the lines like this. Say, God, if you're really there, show me. Show me. If, if it's really you, if you're really there, reveal yourself to me. Now listen to me. I, I just want to warn you about this. If you pray something like that seriously from your heart, get ready. Because when you draw near to him, God draws near to you. And some of you might be at that point where you say, you know what? This is a pretty serious thing. I'm not just playing anymore. I'm going to kneel in pursuit, just like this rich young ruler did. Now, there, of course, there are others of you who you are a follower of Jesus, and you don't necessarily need to kneel in pursuit, but you might need to kneel in repentance. You may need to kneel in, in repentance. You see, every now and again, and then sometimes very often, we do things that really break the heart of God, and we hurt our lives. We 
hurt other people. We break relationship. And I tell you, I, I don't know why it is, but Christmas is a magnifier, isn't it? Christmas seems to make good things feel really good, and it makes hard things really, really hard. It's a magnifier. If you've done something against someone, directly against God or directly against someone that you love, this time magnifies that. The weight of that sin feels more intense now. Some of you might, right now, you might, you might be smiling on the outside, everything's good, Merry Christmas, but on the inside, you're grieving. Because you've done something to hurt someone that you love deeply, and you don't really know how to fix it. There's a powerful example of, of kneeling in repentance in Luke's gospel, fifth chapter. Uh, Peter, Peter's a fisherman, and he was fishing all day long, and he didn't catch anything. Jesus comes up and he says, hey, why don't you throw the net on the other side of the boat? Now, for, for this, you've you got to put yourself in Peter's place, all right? This boat, honestly, it's kind of a narrow little thing, all right? And I'm thinking if I'm Peter, hey, buddy. You're a carpenter. Why don't you go ahead and make me a table and I'll put the fish on it. I don't need your advice on getting the fish, all right? Just trying to think what he'd be thinking. <coughs> you imagine that. Okay, think of it. I've thrown my, my, my net on this side. No fishies here. Why? Well, because there's some smart fish on this side. And, the, and he's telling all the other guys, oh, come on, quick, 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 come on over here. And they're all over here now. And then, then, if the net goes over here, they're all just going to swim under the boat over here really quickly and go, oh, 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 you missed us. Ah, we're ready for you. Come on, it's really dumb advice. This is never going to work. Fish here, fish here. That doesn't matter where you put it. But Peter, he said, because you say so, I'll give it a try. And he does. He throws the net on the other side. And there are so many fish that the net's breaking. And suddenly he looks up. And he does one of these, go, I didn't realize who you were. I didn't get it. I sense that you are not like me. Watch his response in verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had just happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus in an act of repentance. Watch his heart. He didn't say, oh, wow, I worship you. You're so good, and give me some more fish. He says, oh, Lord. Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. And I see it now. I'm just, I'm too much of a sinner. That's an act of repentance. And here's the beautiful thing. Maybe you need to hear this today. Jesus never turns away anyone, any sinner with a repentant heart. He never does. There's some of you right now, you're even surprised that you're around church, even thinking of a church. You think, if I go into that building, the church roof might probably fall on me. I've heard people say this. People are going to look at me, and they're going to know what I've, I've done, and you just get this incredibly uncomfortable feeling. Like, you know what? I don't belong there. You fear our super holy roof is going to collapse on you. Well, you know what? That's just one more good thing about church online. You are safe there, away from our super holy roof falling on your head, and now you can listen in and begin your journey, and you can join us on our road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ. So listen to me, right? It doesn't matter how bad you are. You belong in the presence of God with your repentant heart. 
Jesus never turns away anyone who comes to him and says, you know what, I've fallen, I messed up, I fell. Peter falls. Peter recognizes all of his failings, all of his shortcomings in that moment. He falls on his knees in repentance and Jesus says, guess what? From now on, you're not going to fish for fish, but you're going to become a fisher of men. And in another version, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we call this the SLV. It's an actual version, but here we call it the single ladies version. Single ladies, you can write this part down. Put this on your refrigerator. He says, from now on, you will catch men. No guarantees, all right? Not promising you, but it might work for someone. Try it out. So here we are. We see him kneeling down in repentance. There's some of you. That's what you're going to need to do. To kneel down and say, I've sinned against you, God. I sinned. I messed up. I dropped the ball. It's, it was me. I did it. And here's the good news. John teaches us that when you confess your sins, our God is faithful and he is just and he will forgive all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In the Christmas carol, O Holy Night, there's a beautiful line. I think it's like the climax of the song. It's so powerful. I wish I could sing it beautifully for you. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Hear the angel voices. And in that swell of the song, it just seems to make so much sense. Fall on your knees. Drink it all in. You might collapse and say, God, I've done something wrong. Will you forgive me, please? And in that moment, you will experience the grace of God. And you, you might want to stay in your knees for a little bit of time, even after that, just, just to worship the one who freely forgives you. Some of you are going to want to kneel in pursuit. Some of you are going to want to kneel in repentance. And then there are others. You're going to kneel in submission. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time in your life and, and maybe in a particular area where you don't want to let go because you want to control it. You're going to kneel in submission. <clears throat> there are some of you, you just can't stand the thought of submission. The fact that I said that word makes you uncomfortable. You don't want to submit to anyone or anything. You just don't want to do it. And you're like that with God, aren't you? There's some area in your life and you won't tap out. You know, I want it this way. I want it my way. Listen, th th there's some of you, God has been reaching out to you for years and you refuse to tap out. You won't surrender to his plan for you, which is so much better than the plan that you have for yourself. You think it's a path to victory, but it's not. Some of you, you need to, you need to tap out. You need to surrender. You need to kneel, surrender. And what's hard for me to, to grasp, right, is that that's what Jesus did. Jesus, the, you know, the, the one that we celebrate, Jesus, born of the virgin in, in, in the little manger. Uh, he was born to die. Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew what was coming ahead of time. He never sinned against God, and yet he knew the agony that he would face in becoming sin. Everything that we've ever done wrong, that's what he became. That was put on him. So much so that God turned away from him as he faced the terror of dying on the cross without the presence of his father who had sustained him through everything previously. 
Jesus understood what was coming. And, and, th and this is what he did. In that moment, Jesus was, was with the disciples in the garden. Luke 22, check it out. Verse 41. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond the disciples. He knelt down and prayed. He got down on his knees and he prayed. What did he pray? Come on, you know this prayer. It's a good prayer for you to pray. He prayed a prayer of surrender. 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet. Say it with me. You need to practice saying this one. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. Not my will. Yours be done. Some of you, that's the prayer that you need to pray today. Not my will, but your will be done. I surrender. Sometimes you look at people and, and, and you say, How, you, you seem so strong. How do you do it? Kneeling to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. Some of you, it's time to lift up holy hands before God, to bring our gifts, to pour out our hearts. And maybe for you, maybe today, a new and very worshipful, surrendered, submissive position of worship in awe before God is to kneel down before him. God, come, come, come let us kneel before our God and worship him. The Lord, our God, our maker. Now, now I'm going to tell you a secret, though. Are you ready for this? You can kneel now or you can kneel later. But you are, you're going to kneel to him. We all kneel to him. You could kneel now in pursuit and in repentance and in submission and in worship. Or one day, when it wasn't your choice, you'll kneel then. Paul teaches us this in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, Jesus, why? He, what, what, why was he born? To humble himself and to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. 10. That at the name of Jesus, say it with me, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 11. And every tongue acknowledge. This is the good news. And, and the, the reason that we celebrate Christmas today. Come on, say it again. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our God never asked us to bow before Him because He knew that when we know who He is, our only reasonable response would be to bow down and worship Him. He's just that good. And at this Christmas time of the year, I want to give you the chance to bow down and worship Him. Our living hope. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. For centuries, people anticipated the birth of the Messiah, and now we get to look back and celebrate who he is, what he did for us on the cross, and what he means for us that we can glorify you today. And, and, and as you're reflecting in prayer right now, some of you recognize you, you may never have knelt before God in worship before. But God, during this season, this Christmas season, we take a moment, we offer you even our moment to recognize the amazing truth of the grace 
you have for us, that you came to earth through the virgin birth, your son Jesus, born to die so that we, so that I could live. God, because of that, we worship you. We thank you. And as you each take a moment to pray, some of you are going to recognize in your life that it's time to kneel down and surrender before him. There may be an area in your life that you are trying to control, gripping so tightly, something you're not willing to tap out on, and you recognize you're prompted right now, even by the Spirit himself, I need to let this go. I'm trying to have my will, but I need to surrender it and say, God, not my will. But I trust that your will be done. Into one. Those of you who would say, yes, this is an area I've been trying to control and either symbolically or maybe even physically, today, right now, I choose to kneel before God. And I want to let go of my control and I want to place my trust in His perfect will for my life. I trust you, Jesus. I kneel by faith and surrender before you. If that's you today, say yes. I say yes, I surrender to him in this way. God, I thank you that in this holy moment, you're doing a work in hearts at church online all over the place. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would work in us and there would be less of us, God, less of me. More of you, please. Just like Jesus did in that garden when he didn't want to physically endure the shame and the pain of the cross, he surrendered, kneeling in prayer before you to your perfect will. God, give us the ability to do that in our hearts today. Not what we want, God. But we kneel before you in surrender, saying we want what you want and we'll trust you to take us there. Thank you for hearing us, responding to us, and meeting with us, Lord Jesus. Thanks.